Welcome back to the Building Peace Initiative at youwantapeaceofmeonline.com. This is John Van Vladel for this week's podcast, which I've actually had to do over a couple of times because I didn't really like the way it came out. But this week, we are doing, we are not worthy. Well, wait a minute. Yes, we are. Now, I'll be inviting the bell of mindfulness from time to time to slow me down a bit and to allow what I've said to settle in. So when I invite the bell, what we do is breathe together in and out three times at a normal rate, and then we move on. So let's try and breathe together a bit. So last week I was talking about our relationship with the natural world. Um, I've talked about that in some podcasts, and you'll hear more about it from me. Um, last few days, we've had more air quality alerts here uh, due to the wildfires burning in Canada, around 300 and, or 480 of them, they say, under half of which are under control. Um, this is important to consider, and I hope you take this opportunity uh, to take some time to get connected to the earth um, that supports our existence. It's important that we do so for our mental, physical, and spiritual health, and the health of the planet. Um, so we're going to continue to work towards expanding our circle of awareness to include all of the world and its beauty and magnificence, and we'll continue to touch on that, uh, as I said, in the future. In the meantime, do some mindful walking, tune in to planet Earth <clears throat> over the weekend. Tomorrow is the 4th of July, so hopefully they'll have some opportunities for you to do that. There's a full moon. Is it tonight? Yeah, get out there and walk around in the full moon and, and enjoy it. Um, but today, I really want to talk about our relationship with ourselves, the reality of being human, how difficult we can make life on ourselves and each other, and ways to improve how we are feeling, and subsequently to have lives where our needs and the needs of others are met. Now, remember, it has taken us years to become who we are, and that includes both some of our life-affirming qualities and some of the other ones that cause suffering. And it's going to take some time to change, to rewire that brain. But self-compassion is central to this, and self-compassion is going to be the antidote to what I'll be talking about today. Not feeling worthy. So we can learn new ways of dealing with ourselves and others. Once we understand this, we can start to free ourselves and free others. You free others, you say? Well, of course, when we develop awareness and insight, we can change our way of communicating and behaving. And when we relate to others differently, it changes their behavior. We don't have to wait for them to change. Um, we can help them along that path. Remember, again, we're products of our environment, and what we have learned can be unlearned. And we can find more fulfilling ways of communication um, that we can embrace on this journey together. So something I wanted to touch on for a moment is that you haven't heard much about me and certainly have not experienced much of my sense of humor, and that can include sarcasm. That's a communication error uh, throughout the part podcasts, um, and I've done that purposely, or purposefully for those of you who enunciate a bit more clearly. Um, oh, that was self-denigrating, not self-compassion. Or was it? Uh, the podcast is supposed to be less about me and more about a way out of the mess we're in as a culture, individuals, a species, and the biosphere. 
And I'm going to use some examples from my life and the lives of others I have come into contact with, as I think they're going to be helpful. <clears throat> and you won't be able to identify anyone from the limited information I'm giving, except for the social security number. Um, just kidding. Where am I? Um, you know, I do have a desire to write my memoirs. Uh, they will be my connection to immortality. They're going to be titled, All About Me. Why? No, oh, because I'm so special. It's They're going to be a parody. Uh, and see, that's where sarcasm becomes a problem. Diminishing others in the service of one's own ego never helps a situation. And sometimes I have to be careful when I feel provoked. I can go on the attack rather than seek to understand. And my sarcasm has been termed biting and a couple of other things that I won't mention. Um, and you know what? In the moment, it, make me, it may make me feel better, but in, in the long run, it does harm. Um, it's really one of the things I tell myself constantly is, don't say anything that's going to make it worse. Don't say anything that's going to make it worse. One of the things I want to be clear about is I'm, I, too, am a, am a work in progress. I have some flaws. Uh, and now, certainly, that's not going to inspire any of you who are looking for the perfect being to follow. Remember my Waiting for the Messiah podcast. Uh, we have a tendency to look for the omnipotent being. But, you know, I struggle, too. And I keep this bit of philosophy close to my heart, as it helps. Here it is. Everyone goes through changes, looking to find the truth. Don't ask me, f don't look at me for answers. Don't ask me, I don't know. And that's from my, one of my favorite philosophers, Ozzy Osbourne. Um, so, you see, the person that you seek is already there inside of you. Another one of my favorite persons, Michelangelo, had said that in every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I only have to hew away at the rough walls that imprison a lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes as mine see it. Well, if we change marble to person, inside of us is a work of beauty waiting to be released. I don't know if we want to so much you it or, um, you know, release an apparition, uh, but I think you get the point here. Uh, the next issue is I'm really not that, uh, let's see, oh, that perfect airbrushed person you see on the cover of uh, mainstream yoga, mindfulness, and general health magazines. They often give a false impression um, of what mindfulness is. Uh, in some cases, I really consider it false advertising, uh, more of an attempt to cash in on the mindfulness movement. Now, misrepresenting ourselves as who we are only makes the problems worse. worse. Bits of wisdom taken out of context really don't help. Um, this is a process. It's crucial to be genuine. We're going to struggle. That's a fact of life. The goal is to lessen the time we struggle and reduce the intensity of the discomfort. We want to transform unnecessary suffering and bring about more joy into our lives and the lives of others. So on to our focus for today. I've encountered a lot of people who feel deeply guilty about any number of things, and that causes a lot of suffering for them and others. I'll get into how it affects others, and please don't feel guilty about that. 
Like, oh no, you mean I'm making others suffer? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about things one should feel guilty about, like stealing. Some things we should feel bad about. Uh, in fact, I've told some people that they should feel bad about some things they do. They need to grow their empathy. Uh, for those of you with an overabundance of empathy, you may want to titrate it down a bit, uh, especially if you have too much unnecessary guilt already. So, I have my share of guilt. Uh, here's an example how our internal world gets constructed. My parents passed guilt on to me. It's an intergenerational trait. You know, what are you doing to your mother? Uh, in fact, my mother used to get hives when she got upset. Uh, sometimes she would get them because of something I said or did, and by the way, I didn't do anything that was really extreme. That alone is worth a couple of years of therapy. I think it's called trauma. <laughs> but was it really because of my words or actions that she had a physical reaction? Well, the answer would be no. Then when my dad got home, I would be disciplined over it. Uh, nothing like waiting for dad to come home. Some of you may have that experience for most of the day. Uh, so instead of maybe throwing a baseball around when he got home, his solution was to relegate me to forced labor. Uh, pulling nails out of two-by-fours, raking leaves, which actually wasn't so bad. It's kind of mindful. Um, weeding the thousand-foot row of carrots. It wasn't that long, but it seemed like it. And other monotonous tasks. Um, it'd be perfect for mindfulness practice if we um, change the context of the discipline. And now shame was also associated with this. After all, who hurts their mother? And it accumulated over time. So the shame account, along with the guilt account, was getting regular deposits. And shame's a really difficult emotion that tends to turn inward and makes us want to hide. Um, you may have remember those shoe top responses that you've had. You're being talked to or disciplined or guilted, and as they're talking, you're looking down at your feet. Um, this leads to us having trouble expressing ourselves and asking for help. Hence the title of this podcast, We Are Not Worthy. Hey, one positive thing I developed out of all this was a solid work ethic. When you feel bad, just work. And if you're sitting around relaxing, there's something wrong with you. Um, that was regularly communicated. Hey, wait a minute, that sounds unhealthy. Uh, it's almost like I can't sit still due to some type of discomfort that arises. Hmm, sound familiar, anyone? Just keep moving. Um, and that is the antithesis of mindfulness. But it's hard to sit still when you're experiencing self-loathing um, with no way to transform it. <clears throat> so back to mom. You mean... My words could actually make someone physically sick. And this was before Darth Vader. If I only knew the power of the Force back then, no telling what I could have accomplished. Um, the interesting thing is the discomfort is still with me to a degree. Despite all the years working in the field of mental health, all the experience, all the knowledge. By the way, picture me in my smoking jacket as I speak as an expert. Um, why do I still struggle with irrational guilt? Well, why wouldn't I? Uh, the good news is I have rewired quite a bit of it through the practice of mindfulness, and now I don't suffer as much from it. But asking for help, particularly if it's emotional help, is still a bit of an issue at times.
Now on to the effects of socializa socialization. <clears throat> and I'm going to mention religion here because this comes up for, for people a lot. Uh, religion is a factor when it comes to developing unnecessary guilt. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, here are some examples. High, high levels of pollen today. That's not the example. Uh, one of my former associates described, associates described this experience. We were sent to Sunday school at age six or so, and I got the sense something was amiss. And this isn't a knock on religion or church in general. The nuns who taught our Sunday school on Saturdays always seemed angry. I mean, really angry. We were taught a fear-based mode of Christianity. It was like they had disdain for us. I could go into what I think that was about today, um, but I'm not going to. Corporal punishment, a slap with the ruler, was common. He went on to say the message many of us took away from the experience was that we were bad kids, sinful, inherently unworthy, and we'd be, we'd be forgiven, maybe, for some things. We learned there were a whole lot of things that were, we were doing which were going to earn us a one-way ticket to hell. And the person went on a little, bit, a little bit further. I remember going to confession. The priest was only a thin layer of opaque plexiglass away. I can remember mitigating my confession out of fear he would come and get me. I wasn't buying the concept of forgiveness. So many of us develop some tension and anxiety when certain feelings or thoughts come up. Do we speak up or not? If we do, will we be punished or rejected? Do we have a right to our thoughts and feelings? Now, feelings of guilt and shame hinder our ability to speak up, and a real double bind is created. Now, the same person related this story. We were watching a group of communion, uh, a group get communion, and a young girl started choking. Apparently, you have to watch communion, practice to see it before you actually do it the next week. Our nun teacher turned to us and said, Do you know why she is choking? She continued, because she did not confess all her sins. I know memories can be distorted, but this is a flashbulb memory for me. And this is one of those experiences that really makes the WTF annals for creating free-floating anxiety related to guilt. Um, now, some of the experiences I had, because I went to Sunday school on Saturday also, um, were similar. I mean... Fortunately, as a, as a young kid, I developed a pretty accurate BS detector, so I wasn't sold on some of those interpretations. Uh, but on top of all this, you got the sense that an omnipotent being was watching you 24-7 and always judging. Hey, Freud, anyone? Uh, he would say that you were well on the way to developing a harsh superego that would make it hard for you to have any fun, even wholesome fun. Uh, sorry about the Freud reference, but he was right about some things, and the un unconscious is there, behind what we do in many cases. So in all these settings that I've just um, touched on, um, people rarely asked how we felt or what we were thinking in an engaging, supportive manner. Um, in fact, it was very clear that there were some things you shouldn't be thinking or feeling. They were bad or sinful and that made, that associated you with that. I don't think that came out of my head right. 
if you were feeling it, then that's what you were. Okay. And it took me a while to understand that some of the things I was thinking and feeling were perfectly normal. However, denial, repression, um, we were served a steady diet of it. Uh, and I also was one of those kids who, are you ready? Was called too sensitive, which gets us into a little bit deeper into how empathy and compassion are constructed as a disability. Now, if we move on to my home life or the home life, home life of so many of us, they were distinctly authoritarian and based on power assertion, um, which contributed to restricting one's ability to express our needs directly. Empathy and compassion were in short supply, and expressing them could make you a target for ridicule or physical aggression. Uh, you would look weak, especially if you were a male. And if you did express them, it was not like anyone was trained to receive them in a manner that would help transform them. So fortunately, I had some empathy alive in me, um, as did some of my neighborhood kids, and we were a support group for each other. Now, to be fair, our parents, school, and the church had some capacity for empathy, otherwise we might have all turned out to be sociopaths. But I, in particular, what really stands out is a couple of public school teachers in grade school who helped us to feel worthwhile and validate us. You felt a sense of value. And that was priceless. I remember these people to this day, and they probably have contributed me to towards, or they probably have contributed to helping me uh, get into teaching. Um, as a kid, being the curious sort, I um, took the initiative to read the Bible more closely. I like to read. Um, the Old Testament was pretty scary, but the New Testament led me to believe that the nuns had it wrong. The book was really about love, compassion, and forgiveness. Dreading that every misstep, feeling, thought, or action will lead you to internal damnation is no way to live your life. The problem starts is that we internalize that external damnation and we start to damn ourselves. And by the way, I had a great Bible as literature course in high school. I don't know how that got accepted as a course, but it helped me a lot in verifying uh, what I discovered on the basis of my own research. And the teacher? She was really fun to be in class with. I mean, there was a spirit of inquiry and discovery instead of fear. So what do we want out of our lives? Well, I can tell you what I want. I want love, compassion, and acceptance in my life. But it's hard to attain if I am not aware of my needs or if I feel selfish for asking or undeserving of it. That blocks me from being, from being happy. I also need people to be able to receive that from me, to hear it. So, what do we do about this? Well, I've been working on trying to get nonviolent communication into a couple of workplaces so we can begin to talk about our feelings and needs, and there's a really good chapter in there, and you hear me rustling around in my notes here. Um, chapter five, there's a piece in there, the pain of expressing our needs versus the pain of not expressing our needs, and really helps us to address guilt and, um, and asserting oneself. And I'll share this bit from um, You know, um, Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life by Martin, 
Martin Rosenberg, Marshall Rosenberg, sorry. I was thinking of uh, another person in this. So let's go. In a world where we're often judged harshly for identifying and revealing our needs, doing so can be very frightening. Women in particular are susceptible to criticism. For centuries, the image of the loving woman has been associated with sacrifice and the denial of one's own needs to take care of others. Because women are socialized to view caretaking of others as their highest duty. They often ignore to learn they often learn to ignore their own needs. And I, you know, that talks a lot a lot about women, of course, but men have a similar issue um, sometimes. So, how do we learn to remove guilt as an impediment? to us living a more rich and fulfilling life. Uh, you may not need a lot of therapy to do this. Just begin with an acknowledgement that you are worthy and you do have needs and you have a right to request that those needs be met. Now that may take a while, but you can do it. So here's what I'm gonna suggest. Find someone to play with as you embark on this journey. Let them know what you're doing. You can also consider offering, your, offering yourself the same compassion you would treat others with. That may be really hard. Um, for us, some of us are more free about giving than taking. Um, Self-compassion is a must, um, but you may avoid it initially. Uh, continue to address self-compassion. It's not a selfish thing. It's something you need to do to survive and thrive as a human being. And next time, we're going to talk um, about more specific ways to remove guilt and shame as an impediment to your happiness. And let me leave you with a bit of Marshall Rosenberg, again, from Nonviolent Communication, The Language of Life. Here's something you can think about. Anger, depression, guilt, and shame are the product of the thinking that is at the base of violence on our planet. How is that? So until next time, find a practice buddy to be with. Try some non-guilt exercises. Be aware when you're feeling that guilt or shame. Take a step back uh, and begin the process of transforming it. And remember, you are worthy.